I don't think we need to play any audio of the president's baseless claims from Thursday night when he attacked the integrity of an election that he appeared to be losing. Thank you very much. But we will share some of the reactions. What a sad night for the United States of America to hear their president say that to falsely. This isn't just partisan. This isn't just dangerous. It's nonsensical. That was Dana Bash and Jake Tapper on CNN. The president's speech last night was very disturbing to me because he made very, very serious allegations without any evidence to support it. That was the current Republican senator from Pennsylvania, Pat Toomey. The the president sadly has just assumed the role of some random Internet troll saying, you know, pointless, outlandish things. And that was the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, Democrat John Fetterman. It it just I don't care how big your microphone is. It doesn't make uh, a lie any more true. And the fact of the matter is the count is going fine in Pennsylvania. Okay, so as of when we are recording this, 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday, it looks like the presidential race could soon be called for former Vice President Joe Biden. And if that happens, there are serious questions about how the current president will react. Consider this. Over the endless months of the presidential campaign, it's almost become cliche to say that this election is a test of American democracy. Now we can ask... Are we passing the test? From NPR, I'm Ari Shapiro. It's Friday, November 6th. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp, a truly affordable online counseling service. Fill out a questionnaire online and get matched with a licensed counselor best suited to your mental health needs. Whether it's depression, anxiety, or trauma, BetterHelp will help you overcome what stands in the way of your happiness. Learn more at BetterHelp.com and get 10% off your first month with promo code CONSIDER. BetterHelp. Get help anytime, anywhere. On the next episode of Louder Than a Riot, Bobby Schmurter's transition from the streets to superstardom and how viral fame led to infamy. I don't ask people from the hood if they got criminal activity going on. I know in hip-hop, the better, the better. Listen now to Louder Than a Riot from NPR Music. It's Consider This from NPR. Sometimes, when you're feeling a bit off kilter, the best way to get a reality check is to call a friend who knows you really well, just for a check-in. Like, how have I seemed to you lately? And they say, you're good. Or, actually, I've been kind of worried. Well, the U.S. didn't ask, but a few of its closest friends weighed in this week anyway. I wonder if a superpower can uh, continue to be such when based on a society that in some senses is disintegrating. Israel has been America's best friend in the Middle East since that country was born. And this comment about American society disintegrating comes from the guy who just served four years as Israel's consul general in New York, Donnie Dayan. The schism that uh, I see in, in American society, in American politics, I don't believe that uh, Donald Trump is interested in uh, consolidating and curing uh, the society. I am not sure Joe Biden is able to. 
So from Israel, less you're good, more I'm kind of worried. Germany, same. This shows uh, in, in my eyes clearly a total lack of respect for the law. That's Norbert Rotgen, who chairs the Foreign Affairs Committee in the German parliament, talking about the victory speech that President Trump made on election night prematurely, before all the votes were counted. It can be no doubt that the counting process is ongoing, that nobody has a base or a right to declare victory, and uh, that everybody uh, is bound to respect the voting of the people, which has not been counted yet. For better or for worse, this is not American democracy as people normally see it. And that's from the country the U.S. famously has a special relationship with. Here's how BBC host Ross Atkins summed up the last few days in the U.S. The president's making baseless accusations of electoral fraud and attempts to steal the election. His son Eric is pushing misinformation about ballot burning when there's no evidence that that is happening. His campaign is launching multiple lawsuits to stop vote counting when the counting of votes after election day is a standard part of the electoral process. And international election observers are accusing the president of a gross abuse of office. International observers like the OSCE, the Organization for Safety and Cooperation in Europe. Uncertainty caused by late legal challenges and evidence-deficient claims about election fraud, including on election night, led to confusion and concern among election officials and voters. The OSCE monitors elections in fragile and unstable countries and also in the U.S., Michelle Gayo Glink is their special coordinator. Baseless allegations of systematic deficiencies, notably by the incumbent president, including on election night, harm public trust in democratic institutions. So, from outside the country, it looks like American democracy might not be passing this test with flying colors. To get a couple perspectives from inside the country, I talked with Michael Kang, a law professor and elections expert at Northwestern University, and Jelani Cobb, staff writer for The New Yorker, who also teaches at Columbia University. Good to have you both here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, first, how do you each measure whether American democracy is working? Michael, you want to begin? Yeah, I think really this election, we've got two things going on. They, they sort of point in opposite directions. On the one hand, despite uh, pretty serious challenges uh, presented by the, the COVID pandemic, we had record turnout. We had uh, more than 100 million people cast a vote before Election Day. Uh, and we had turnout that looks like it's going to be well over 150 million and, and be a record. There wasn't civil unrest. There wasn't violence uh, at polling places. So I think on the one hand, the running of elections went well. Um, but on the other hand, you have, I think, growing distrust about the voting process and the election process. And, and that's really worrying. So I think you have both of those things going on at the same time. Jelani, what do you look at to, to, to measure whether democracy is working or not? I mean, I think there's one basic measure, and that is, does everyone have access to the ballot and is every ballot counted? You know, by that measure, we could certainly make some qualifications around everyone having access to the ballot. But it's hard to square with a presidential demand to stop counting votes. I don't think that that meets any kind of standard or any definition of democracy. I agree with Michael that there are big issues One is 
a party that with significant members who are convinced that there is rampant fraud uh, and that voter fraud mars our elections and you know now there are a lot of people who don't have faith in the election system on the other hand you know we have some very real concerns around voter suppression so in that way i think that you know our democracy is anemic and hemorrhaging in some particular ways that that have to be addressed in the near term so when you look at the last 48 hours when you have a sitting president in the white house saying things that are not true and undermining confidence in american democracy and filing lawsuits, some of which may be frivolous and quickly thrown out, does that actually matter? I mean, I've heard people say, you know, Trump's tweets are not the health of an American democracy. Do you think this is important? So I think if you look at these lawsuits, they don't have a lot of legal merit as far as we can tell. And even if you believed all of the allegations, they actually most of them don't affect many votes or wouldn't change the count at all. I think this is all political theater. It's part of a political strategy rather than a legal one where Donald Trump is trying to undermine the legitimacy of an election that he probably expects to lose. Um, and that's but really, if it's really political terrible. theater, can it be just dismissed as nothing more than bluster? No, I, I mean, it's political theater, but it's really effective political theater because I think he has a third to maybe 40 percent of the country that uh, suspects that he might have actually won the election and, and um, that uh, mysterious forces have robbed him of that in some sort of weird conspiracy. That's, that's outlandish to anyone looking at this objectively. Um, but that really hurts uh, the functioning of our democracy when people don't trust the results. Jelani, you point out in The New Yorker that in many states, the voters giving Biden an edge over Trump are black Americans in places like Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, Atlanta. And you write, the future of American democracy hinges on the actions of black people living in places that this system has consistently failed. Yeah. Do you see the system failing them now? Certainly. <laughs> I mean, look, we're, we're talking about communities where we have questions about, you know, how we fund our educational systems. The titanic public health disparities that we're seeing in coronavirus that are reflective of bigger systemic inequalities. And these are the people who are really in the clutch. I mean, Joe Biden. And so you're defining democracy much more broadly than casting votes and having those votes counted. Sure. A system in which we believe that each person's citizenship has the same and equal weight. Uh, I think that's another way that we could define democracy. Hmm. And when Joe Biden and, and other Democrats said that democracy was on the ballot, if that's in, in fact the case, then it means that you know, the protection of this democracy hinges so much on the turnout of people in these communities that have not had an equal share of the democracy's fruits uh, historically and or even contemporarily. Well, Michael, as someone who thinks America should breathe a sigh of relief that votes were cast and counted during a pandemic, how do you respond to what Jelani is pointing out there? I think Jelani's right. It is really two different stories going on at once. And I think the optimistic story is one where the election system survived really serious challenges because despite all different kinds of uh, legal complications and despite the partisan warfare over election rules, it's really unfortunate. I think there were a lot of election workers on the line that, that don't give in to the partisan warfare and just want people's votes to count and to do their job well. And I think those people are really represent a kind of triumph this year that's easy to overlook in all of the larger story about the partisan battles over rules and the ugly kind of attempts by uh, the Republican Party to, to suppress the vote and 
try to deny people's ability to express themselves to the political system. So I think both of those things happened. I'm, I'm glad and grateful for the former, but I'm really worried about the latter. So this question of whether American democracy is passing the test is a question that we are in the process of answering and has not yet fully been answered. What are you going to be looking for between now and you know January 20th, Inauguration Day, to see what the final answer is? Well, I think one thing uh, that we have to look at is the potential for violence, which is still present. You know, when I was talking with my students, I made the analogy of hurricanes, where uh, very often we think that the fatalities of a hurricane happen when the hurricane hits. But it's more likely that the, the bulk of the fatalities happen in the week following the hurricane. And so we had this huge buildup to November 3rd, and a lot of really intense passions on all sides. And we seem to have navigated past that. But that doesn't mean that we're past the point where there could be sporadic or significant eruptions of violence. Michael? I'll be watching to see how the political system responds to Donald Trump's attempts to turn everything after Election Day into a partisan fray and really take things away from the normal legal process of the election. We know, because he's signaled this for four years, that he's not going to accept an election result that he doesn't come out on top of. That's a given. But the question is, how are other Republicans going to react to that? Are they going to go along with that and support him in those efforts? Or are they going to trust in democracy and invest in democracy going forward? Because I think we see this deterioration in so many of our institutions. And if we lose this one, um, we're really in trouble. That's Jelani Cobb of Columbia University and The New Yorker magazine, and Michael Kang of Northwestern University and NBC News. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Consider This from NPR. I'm Ari Shapiro.